Prince Remembered from The Current. Hello, this is Andrea Swenson. While making the documentary series Prince, the story of 1999, I had a chance to speak to Jellybean Johnson. He is a Minneapolis sound legend. He's a founding member of The Time. He continues to perform with the band today. And this is our full conversation. Hello, I'm, I'm Jellybean Johnson from The Time, the family of Deluxe, the Jellybean Johnson Experience. Um, I've been a Minnesota musician for over 40 years around here. I've been lucky to be national with it, but... And I'm from the north side. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. It's kind of my badge of honor. <laughs> I love that. Well, before we get into 1999, I would love to hear a little of your memories of, you know, becoming a musician, getting into flight time. Just paint a picture for me of kind of your backstory. Well, uh, well, when, you know, Prince came and got us in 1981 and stuff, and we did the first tour, uh, the controversy tour. It was new to me because it was us, him, and Zap. And uh, that in itself, you know, I've just been a, a musician, a little snotty-nosed musician running around playing in little clubs and stuff when I could, you know, as a teenager and stuff. And uh, our first gig with the time was in front of 26,000 people, and it, it drove me, I I lost it, you know, because I'd never, first of all, I'd never been in front of that many people in my life, and I'd never heard people scream like that in an arena, you know, 26,000, and it was just, it was surreal, you know, and I'll never forget that. So we did that tour, and then the next year was 1999. And uh, by this time, Prince had uh, added Vanity Six to us, so it was us, him, and Vanity Six. So the other thing is I was doing double duty because the time was Vanity Six band in concert. So that was a trip every night, too. We'd be behind a curtain. Nobody knew it was us. Uh, and I tell you a little funny thing about that. When we first started doing it, we wore disguises. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like what? Had, uh, Jimmy was like in a, a preacher's robe. I had on like sunglasses and a beret, and and Jesse had on a, a beard. <laughs> it was so crazy <laughs> that we did, we did that the first few gigs for Prince finally figured, well, no, I put these guys behind. So he got a pink <laughs> fishnet curtain, and, and we would be behind it, and Bandage Six would be in front of it. So it was hilarious, but it, it was a lot of fun. Those songs are so funky and great to play in concert. So. Wow. So tell me a little bit about that moment of the time forming. So you were in flight time with Terry. With Terry and Jimmy and uh, and Monty. And uh, originally, like I said, I I, I think everybody knows the story. Alexander O'Neill was going to be the singer for the time. So uh, I was kind of out in the cold at that point. (laughs) Uh, Morris had a a cousin, an uncle, something that had a hit record called uh, a band called Champagne called how about us and he was he's he was talking about getting me to play the drums for them you know especially since he was going to play the drums for the time so anyway they had the faithful meeting out with prince out there in 394 and alex needed some paper <laughs> so <laughs> that didn't go over too well with anybody new prince knew that was not gonna go over too well with him at that point so um so anyway they came back uh prince told morris uh well you know you could be up front you get being to play the drums and so I ended up being in the band, you know, I ended up being in the time. So, and that's, that's how I basically got into it because, you know, Morris always wanted to be the drummer. He didn't, he didn't think he could be a front person and Prince taught him how. Right. So, yeah. Did it surprise you that Prince was mainly forming this band of people that he'd known since he was young? It, it, it kind of surprised me because we were rival bands. When we came up, but that, to me, it just showed me the respect he had for us. You know, even though he, he dog us out, he, he knew there was, he knew we all had talent. And he could see that, and he could harness that, and and he took advantage of it, and he, he made it. He made a great band. Only thing, it, t- it turned to Frankenstein after a while, but he didn't know that at the time, you know. Right. He didn't know we were going to be as good as we were. 
Right. Which we should have been because we, we rehearsed seven days a week, eight hours a day. So, you know, we we, we were tight. You know, we, we worked at it. We worked really hard at it. We did. Before we even, you know, hit the stage, we, were, we had worked two, three, four, five months just doing that, just rehearsing every day. You know? Wow. Yeah. That was before the controversy tour? Yeah, it was before the controversy okay. tour. Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how much did you know about the albums as they were being made? Would you kind of get the songs as they were finished to he, learn? Or? We, yeah, he, he he would finish them and he'd bring us cassettes and uh, and we'd learn them. You know, he because first off, Prince, anybody knows Prince, he never slept. <laughs> He's a workaholic, you know. And if you couldn't keep up with him, that was your problem. Because, you know, you had to be available 24-7. I think Morris would tell you this. Because he might call you at 3 or 4 in the morning once you come cut something. And you got to be ready, you know. You might not like it. You might be in bed with your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. You got to get up and go. So <laughs> that's just how I was with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's so incredible to think about, you know, this period of early 1982 coming off the controversy tour and suddenly there's all of these records coming mm -hmm. out from Prince. There's mm -hmm. the Second Time album, there's mm -hmm. Vanity Six, and then there's 1999. I mean, tell me about kind of the energy as the 1999 tour is starting with all of this new music out and a lot of buzz around Prince. Well, it, 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 was, it was great for me because we learned, and you know, this is when 7-7 came out. So it, you know... It, it ran to like number two, you know, Elvin Champagne King kept us out of being number one, but that, that song ran to number two. So it was already a big buzz for us, you know, for our single. That was our first single off What Time Is It? And so just learning that, you know, I remember we were rehearsing at the Armory the, downtown and stuff. And, uh, and that beat is, you know, that beat is ridiculous to play in concert and stuff. So, you know, uh, David Garibaldi from, from uh, Tower Power had programmed it into a Lynn drum machine and Prince made a song out of it. But uh, it's damn near impossible to play, you know, right, like the machine, but, you know, we had to figure it out. So I, me, him, and Morris sat down on the drum set one day, and we said, you know, we got to figure out how Bing could do this in concert, and you guys can dance, and it sound right, and we don't lay an egg. So so we worked at it, we worked at it, and, and you know, finally come out. I've been playing it 40 years now. It's second nature to me now, but it, that that was the exciting part for me, just getting prepared, you know, and, you know, getting all those songs together, then taking a song from the first album, and incorporating them in and getting there. Our first year, we only played like 30 minutes. Well, the second time was 45. So, mm. you know, we were going to be featured more prominently stuff. We had more cooler songs to play. And so, you know, we just worked at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me more about getting ready to back Vanity 6, too. What did you think about this new project? Well, I loved it, but we had we got in a fight with Prince about that because, you know, he was nickel and dime us about rehearsing. So... <laughs> <laughs> but as we got into the songs more, they were so funky. We 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 actually enjoyed it because they would warm us up for our set, you know. So it, it was cool. We spent a lot of months with them, you know, getting their stuff tight and everything. And uh, and they were women, so of course they got treated better. But you know, <laughs> we used to always tease about that thing. You know, you woman, you do all right around here, PRN. Guys, not so much. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. But it, it was cool. It was cool. And, and, they, and the girls, were they were appreciative of tortoise and stuff, you know. So it was cool. Yeah. I think I heard a story. Someone said that, you know, the time obviously backed Vanity Six on this tour, but that even Prince sometimes would, yeah, would pitch in. Yeah, I love that because it would be so nasty.
nasty when he he would come out and he'd be back there playing with us, you know, and he'd be in the band with us. And him and Jesse, the the, the guitars would be just killing. <laughs> like I'd be just have this big grin on my face when I'm playing because it's just so funky and nasty, you know. And people have no idea <laughs> what's going on back, and you know, because they look at the band, they, they see in a pink curtain and these three girls, you know, and that's all they're seeing. They don't, they ain't seeing us, you know, and we're just going at it back there. So it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed wow. that part of it. There's just something so incredible to me about, you know, that he had so much music in him that even though he had his own full yeah. set coming up, he, he just couldn't he, help himself. He couldn't. He couldn't <laughs> help himself. He, he would say, I watched him sometimes. He'd be on stage and he'd just be making faces at me. <laughs> and, I'm like, and so I knew it was only a matter of time he was going to grab his guitar or have one in text bring him a guitar. And he started playing with us. He didn't do it all the time, but he did it a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So is it true that there was a pretty heated rivalry between the time and Prince's band? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you heard about the famous food fight at the end of the controversy tour. Yeah. And then he charged more for all the damage. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he charged more for that. But, you know, hey, yeah, that's the way it was. Yeah. We kind of, we destroyed them, too. They, they, he, Prince got bad at me in later years because I said we destroyed them. We did. Because, you know, we had all this pent-up anger anyway. So. <laughs> We took it out on the revolution, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's the famous food fight. Do, do you think that competitive spirit goes all the way back to the North Minneapolis yeah, days? It, it, absolutely. Absolutely. We were in rival bands. I was in flight time. Flight time was like 12, 13 pieces. Grand Central was like five, you know, but they was funky as hell, you know. So that's the thing. And and they watched what we what uh, we did. We watched what they did. And, and we always tried, you know, we... we it, all the discrimination and stuff, you know, we could only play at certain places. So, you know, so it was always a, a, a for us, an Elks Club or the Thunderbird or a, or a sorority or something like that. That's how we gigged. Every once in a while, we would end up in a nightclub and stuff, but we were 15, 16, 17 years old. We shouldn't have been there, but. <laughs> right. We yeah. Right. So. And you're playing those Battle of the Bands. In the Battle of the Bands, we used to do those over North, our North Commons. We did those as, as you know, at, when, before we even got famous. We did those. Those was famous uh, on the north side, and North Commons Park. It would be more people more than the eye could see. It'd be just crazy, and all day long it'd be bands mm. all into the into the night. And the police wasn't tripping. You know, we had a few incidents over there, but for the most part, nobody got killed or anything that I knew of. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it, like you said, it was competitive. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, it's so incredible to think about you going from, you know, those roots in North to playing in front of 26,000 yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, <laughs> what, what kind of um, changes did you notice in, you know, all these musicians, including the time and Prince, as you're realizing like, oh, this is, we're becoming famous. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because I just played on a talk with Morris and he was talking about that too. You know, it was like, for us, it was just innocent at first. And then, you know, and I give Prince credit. He from day one, he said, "We, we, you know, we're gonna be famous. We're gonna make a movie. We're gonna do." All. He said that. He would say that to us. You, you know, you're gonna be famous. You know. And me, I still have my dolls. I mean, we're cool. I mean, it's cool and everything. But you know, the music business is so finicky. You don't know, you know, that what people like today, they may not like tomorrow. But he knew. He knew he had some. We had something special here going to Minneapolis. And then I think I began to know when I started to. We went play around the kitchen the country and people were dressed like us oh. you know and then i said okay uh something is changing here some somebody is yeah and all these bands start popping up that was trying to imitate us you know so yeah how did you uh land on the look for the time i have to give prince prince credit for that too he wanted us to look you know he he took us to vintage stores and 
He just wanted us to be cool. He didn't. He didn't want us wearing blue jeans, <laughs> nothing like that, you know. Because some of us are blue jean guys and all that stuff. He changed our whole life with that, you know. He was smoking jackets and and skinny ties and you know. I had drumstick jewelry. I had you know all the all you know hair done, you know, <laughs> kind of pimpish, you know. <laughs> that's that's way he invented. He he wanted the time to be his alter ego, the ultimate R and B band. We was his R and B side. That's what we were. You know, his Prince was his, you know, his the revolution was his, you know, experimental and pop. You know, right. he wanted to be pop because he, he knew he had to get the pop crowd, the white people on his side to to, to get to that next level. Right. But we were his black R&B urban side. That's yeah. That's what the time was. Yeah. I think about that a lot as, you know, thinking about all these different splintering offs of projects and mm-hmm. expressions of different parts of Prince's personality. And as you said, you know, he really was trying to reach a wider audience yeah, yeah. in this Absolutely. period. That's what 1999, that local Red Corvette, that's, he was aiming at the white audience and he succeeded. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised when that went into the top 10? No, no, because he, <laughs> he, he he was so controversial by then that everybody was trying to figure out, that, especially the white people, was trying to figure out what is, well, who is this guy, you know? And it was him and Michael Jackson, so they was trying to figure it out, you know? And as Michael was the king of pop, Prince was right behind him. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I talked to um, Des Dickerson, and oh, yeah. he told me that each night he would look out and do a white count. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, yeah. As um, Little Red Corvette broke through, yeah. all of a sudden he could see, oh, now we're 50% white, now yeah. we're 75% yeah. white, yeah. then it went to we 90. It, yeah, we, he watched it right before our eyes to watch it happen, yeah. Wow. we come to those, those concerts, and, you know, what used to be mostly at least 50% black, or maybe more sometimes. Now it was like 75, 80% white, you know, and that right there, you know. And I knew Prince could see that. I knew he could sense that, you know, because yeah. that's what he was trying to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you look back on it now, you know, what do you think is the legacy of 1999? Well, I, I I think it was the beginning of Purple Rain. I think 99 was, you know, was setting us up for Purple Rain. I know it did. I know the money we made for it, <laughs> finance Purple Rain. But I think that was setting us up to do that. That's when he really started thinking big. He started thinking movies. And he's, he knew he had the, the, the pop audience now. So now if this was we, if we was going to make a move, this was the time to do it. And that's what 1999 did. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything else I haven't asked you about, about this era and the tour and all that? Uh, I think you pretty much hit it all. <laughs> you know, it's over 30-something years ago. You know, I, I'm 62 years old, soon to be 63. And, you know, it's just... It's just great to think think back on that stuff and remember how much it changed my life. You know, it did. You know, far as far as being famous, you know, it did. Right. So, you know, I I like to think a lot of people know who Jelly Bean is now, and, and it started with that. You know, it started with those early years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You can find the complete four-part series, Prince, The Story of 1999, wherever you get your podcasts. 